from ESPN. It is NHL writer Ryan Clark. Ryan, thanks for joining the show again. Hey, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start with um, probably the sexiest story, certainly south of the border, hell, even north of the border. Chicago losing 4-1 to Edmonton, and I, I opened the show this way. That goal by Bedard is 12th of the season, that crazy weird release. I, I, I My note was, I don't know if I've ever seen a goal look like that before. How would you describe that crazy puck exploding from his stick goal by Bedard? So what's wild about that is yesterday we had a story on ESPN.com, Greg Wyshynski and I, where we talked to a bunch of different people about Connor Bedard, how he handles the, the expectations. And one of the people we spoke to was Vince Dunn because the Kraken had just played the Blackhawks. And Vince Dunn had worked out with Connor Bedard in the offseason. And in the play and again, he was talking about his shot. And he's like, he has this new school shot where he's like, you're seeing younger guys like him where they kind of bring it into themselves before letting go on their release. He's like, it's not like you're a typical hockey shot or release. Like, it's different, and it's something unique. And when Bedard scores that goal last night, that's exactly what Vince Dunn is talking about. Yeah. Sort of release where, like, it's it's different, but then it adds to something else. Jack Hughes said, which we didn't use this in the story because we only had so much faith, but he was like, it is a heavy shot. And so the fact that you can add a heaviness to that shot the fact that there's something about it that's a bit unorthodox. But also when you look at the amount of torque that he's able to get on it, and the wildest part is, is people talk to, well, he's not the biggest player. Can he do this? Can he do that? He's getting a lot of power on that shot. And what you just saw last night was another example of why he went number one and why people think he can be the franchise-changing player for the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, it, it's super cool. He's, you know, clearly, you know, we don't want to put the expectations too high, but it's always cool in sports when you see something you haven't seen before. Uh, Barry Sanders running, Michael Vick the throws that Patrick Mahomes makes, uh, Steph Curry, and you know just shooting threes from everywhere. And seeing that goal last night by Bedard, my first note was, "What the hell is that? I don't know if I've seen that before." That was super cool. Um, something that wasn't as cool. Ah, that's a horrible radio segue by me. Shame on me for that. Craig Berube is fired. Um, <laughs> I, I thought coaches get a little leniency when you win a Stanley Cup, especially it's the only one ever won by the city of St. Louis. And, and and for me, Ryan, the bigger conversation isn't what's going on with the Blues. It's the predictability of it. The NHL loves firing coaches. Less than 25% of teams in the NHL have a coach that's been there for at least four years. When DJ Smith and Sheldon Keefe are some of the wise old coaches in the NHL. To me, it's crazy. But it goes back to how everyone is trying to win. Like you look at who the longest tenured coaches are in this league, and a lot of them have either won Stanley Cups or they've been in a position to win Cups because it's about not only winning, but it's just do you have the organizational patience to, to stay with someone if you think they're going along the, the right path? And when you look at what's going on this season, let's just start with – everything in order where teams have made changes. The Edmonton Oilers came into the season as a preseason Stanley Cup favorite. They have the sort of start they have. They make a change, and you look at the way they're playing now. They've won eight straight. They're playing out of the wild card, and they have two games in hand on Arizona, three on the Predators, and suddenly you're kind of starting to wonder, not necessarily the wild card, but 
what are the Oilers' chances in the Pacific, given there are a lot of games left? There's more than 50 games left this season. You look at the Minnesota Wild, it's the same thing. Sure, they've, they've lost a couple in a row, but at the same time, like they've been a team that was in the playoffs last year. They're trying to get back for a fifth straight season. They've been relying on a pair of rookies like Marco Rossi and Brock Faber to really help usher things along. And when you look at what they do defensively, defensively, they have a lot of things going for them that teams are covered. But it just seems like offensively, that's where the challenges have been for them. And then you look at the St. Louis Blues, and it's one of those things where, like, to your point about Berube winning a cup, like, it's not only that he won a cup, but also it's just he worked with what he had. And we talked about a lot with this offseason with the Blues. They were a team that was in need of making some defensive changes. But when you have, what, four defensemen with no trades and one with no movement, believe that was the dynamic. That makes it hard for any general manager to mm-hmm. do things. And yeah. so when so when they're trying to win, and not only win, but win in a Western conference where Nashville is a team that people had questions about. Arizona with its offseason, people wondered what it was going to be. The fact that Oilers are trying to climb back into it. You've got the Flames to contend with, the Kraken who were on the outside looking in after making it last year. In addition to the Blues, it was always going to be difficult, but then it's another conversation that's been raised in St. Louis for a while, and Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic wrote about it this morning, and it is a fair one, which is how much of the blame is it Doug Armstrong's feet? Because when you look at the amount of talent that has left St. Louis, whether it be Wallman, Petrangelo, Vince Dunn, Ville Husso, David Perron, like the, it, it, you kind of can't help but ask like the questions of like, well, yes, a coach has some responsibility. How much responsibility also goes in other places? Yeah, no, it's true. It's always the coach who's going to get blamed. It's wild how so many. Co- By the way, if I'm Jay Woodcroft, I'm so angry right now. But I'm glad you brought up Edmonton again, joined by Ryan Clark from ESPN. I can't say this out loud because I'm in Canada, and I I kind of hinted at it on Twitter, and everyone got angry. I know it's shocking. People on Twitter get angry. But maybe you can say this. I can only whisper it. Vancouver has 39 points. Toronto has 35. And they played a great game last night beating the Rangers. We can get into that. But is Edmonton the best Canadian hockey team, even though right now they're not in the playoffs, Ryan? Hard to say because the issue with those three teams in particular is there are questions that still need to be answered. So let's take the Leafs, for example. Like, the Leafs have shown they can get into the playoffs. They showed last year they can win in the first round. It's just the question of, well, can they win in the second? Can they get to a conference final? But also, like, are they doing the sort of things throughout a season that lets you know they've got everything? So, like, when you look at how they played in their last four games, you look at the Rangers game, they get off to a strong start. They're up 4-1. At the end of the first, they go on the win. Islander game, even though they lose 4-3 in overtime, they still scored first, and they came back to tie the game late. Yes, you lose an OT, but you still get a point out of it. Predators game, okay, yes, it took a little bit of time to get some goals, but they eventually did. And then in the game against the Senators, they come back from being down a goal to score three straight on route to a 4-3 win. But even within that, it's, yes, while you're seeing Matthews and Marner do the things that they're expected to do because they're two of the best players in the league. You're seeing depth from guys like Carly Yarncroft. You're seeing it from camp. You're seeing it from Noah Gregor. And like everybody talks about it year in and year out, how depth is such an important thing in this league. And you saw it last year with the teams that were in the conference finals and the Stanley cup. Like 
Vegas won with his depth. They won with a lot of things, but yeah. his depth was at the heart of it. With the Panthers, with the injuries, the the, the injuries ate away at their depth, and it, and it caught up to them in ways that just by that fifth game, it was pretty evident. And even with the Dallas Stars, like they were without Jamie Benn for that series in the Western Conference Final, but their depth really did help them. And so if you're the Leafs, that's really the big question. With the Canucks, it's the question of how can this work over a full 82? Because when Rick Tocchet took over last season, they won 20 of the 36 games he had in charge. And, but, of course, it's that whole idea of, well, we saw them do well in, in Bruce Boudreaux's stint in terms of a partial season. How would it look over a full season? And we saw the answer, which is it led to Rick Tocchet. Whereas if you look at the Winnipeg Jets, for example, this is the second straight year we've seen the Jets get off to a strong start. Now the question is, can they keep that going? Can they survive without Kyle Connor? Can they continue to get secondary and tertiary scoring? What will they do at the deadline? These are all questions about the Canadian teams where you can see the promise and the potential, but at the same time, you don't know what the finished product really looks like because we haven't really seen it. And by the way, you mentioned about the Jets, Kyle Connor. It's been uh, uh, just official a little while ago. We'll be out six to eight weeks. Uh, Ryan, before I let you go, what should we be expecting with this all-star skills competition uh, for the all-star game, which is here in Toronto, uh, nec- uh, you know, come early next year? It seems like the biggest thing to expect is people are going to be curious to see how this works, just because you think about last year in Florida, you think about the things that are being done this year. You look at Connor McDavid's involvement. It's the conversation of just how do you make all-star weekend something fans really not only get into, but it's exciting for everyone just because like we see it in the NBA every year, like clockwork three point competition. Everyone loves it. By the time you get to the dunk contest, everyone is writing the epitaph of like, why do we still do this? And like, and that's the thing. If you're any professional league at this point is you're looking at what are different ways to make your all-star weekend, something that people want to attend. You see it in the NFL with the pro bowl where like players don't want to go to the pro bowl. Whereas if with the NHL All-Stars, like we all remember what those Saturday nights were like when you saw people doing the skills competition and the excitement it brought. Whereas if what you're seeing now is it's a little bit of a, of a nod of trying to make those things fun again, but at the same time, you're trying to provide something new and give players input, and not only input, but incentives. So if you're the NHL, what you're trying to see and what you're trying to hope for is a bit of an advancement. And if you're a fan, what you want to see in this particular case is all-Star Weekend kind of have that feeling of, like, everything you see is must-watch to the point where that's what you plan your night, if not entire weekend around. Yeah, and it, and it's so hard. And it's it's every sport, whatever version of their All-Star Game Pro Bowl is, for the most part, it's hard to get right, and it won't be the way it used to be. But, um, I, listen, I, I, just, I like the spirit of trying new things. You know, a million dollars up for grabs. If it works, great. If it doesn't, Scrap it and move on. Hey, Ryan, really appreciate. Check out the man's work at ESPN, covering all things NHL. Appreciate. Thanks for joining the show today. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan underscore S underscore Clark.